What's up, folks? Jimmy Smith on Unlocking the Cage. Today's podcast, we will talk about the additions to UFC 266, including Nick Diaz Robbie Lawler 2, and was Hurricane Stoppage in the Sean O'Malley Chris Montino fight, the right call, all that, plus my interview with PFL lightweight Clay Collins. So, man, so much to talk about concerning UFC 266. So I was doing, what show was it? I was doing a guest spot on, was it Mad Dog Radio? Might have been Mad Dog Radio, actually, um, for SiriusXM. And anyway, so Marissa says, hey, can you do a spot for, for uh, Mad Dog Radio on Monday? And so we're talking about Conor McGregor and, and, and all stuff around UFC 264. And he said, okay, so, like, what's the next big one on the calendar? Right? He's like, so what's the next big one? I went, ah, um, I literally said, it's not joking, you can listen to it yourself. I was like, man, really? 266, I guess? Volkanovski, Brian Ortega is the next big one. And it, it, it highlighted a couple of things to me. It showed really how valuable a Conor McGregor is. Like, we get it. We get, you know, he's valuable. We understand that. But let's look at the upcoming slate of UFCs. ESPN on UFC on ESPN 26, Makachev versus Moises. Are those crickets I'm hearing? Cricket? Any, anybody? Anybody? Right. Sandhagen versus Dillashaw. A dork fight. What I mean by that is, right, KOB just started nodding his head, right? That's for us. Am I wrong? That's a, kind of a hardcore dork fight, right? Yep, that one's for us. Right. that one. We're marking that on the calendar. Do not miss. Don't call me. I'm watching that one. Hall versus Strickland. Lewis versus Gone. Cannoneer versus Gastelum. Barboza versus Chikadze. Of course, I'm just reading um, main events. Till versus Brunson. Smith versus Spawn. That's what we have heading into Volkanovski-Ortega. After that, it's Santos versus Walker, Rodriguez versus Dern, Fight Night doesn't have anybody, then it's Blahovich teixeira That's October 30th. Look at it, people. That's a wasteland between now for any kind of crossover appeal until September 25th. Am I wrong, KOB? Sandhagen-Dillashaw is a dork fight, but as far as, like, the guy at 7-Eleven, they might know, know Volkanovski or Tega because of the ultimate fighter, right? It is a champion that they don't beat Max Holloway twice. There's some appeal there, but is there anything before then, KOB? Am, am I being harsh? I mean, I don't feel like there is. I'm sure there are some people that will argue that there's something there, but I agree with you. I think 266 now, especially, uh, after some of the announcements that have come out, uh, is kind of the next big one. Right, that's the next big one. So let, let's kind of dive headfirst in UFC 266, the big one. And once again, it shows the, the, the value of a Conor McGregor in that after his fight, not, none of these are going to break. Even 266, the over-under on this would be half a million buys. Is that fair, KOB? I would imagine, yeah. I mean, that's the over-under. Like, could be below, could be above, maybe, but not by a whole lot, either one. I really don't think we're getting much over a half a million. So Volkanovski versus Brian Ortega is our main event. Valentina Shevchenko versus Lauren Murphy. That's our co-main event just announced. I, I, I what do you what do you say about a Shevchenko fight? Like I'm not against it, right? I'm not saying Lauren Murphy doesn't deserve the opportunity at 15 and four. I'm not saying that coming off what whatever I think five straight wins, she beat Joanne Calderwood last time out. Roxanne Montefiore, Andrea KGB Lee. I, I'm not saying she doesn't deserve it. It just seems like next warm body up. Right, Valentina Shevchenko 
Uh, once again, friend of the show. I've interviewed her many times, worked on shows with her. She is an absolute angel who will slice your head off with her elbows, kicks, and punches, by the way. Ariel, you smiled at that description. She's an angel who will cut your head off. But is it is it not apt? Right? Have you have you ever like come across her, Ariel, like on this show or anything like that? Because I know we did we did like this I've round never table. gotten it personally meet her. No. Okay, so we did a round table. Do you remember that, KB? We did like kind of this round table last year. It was her, all Jermaine Sterling, and Paul Felder, I believe, hosted by myself. She's great. I mean, she's a sweetheart of a gal. She is awesome, and she's a killer. She's a murderer, and I think that combination is appealing, right? Like, and I don't just mean like in the guy way. She's incredibly attractive, and her dance. It's it's that combination of really nice, sweet person, and when that bell rings, she's a, a killer. And I think there's a certain appeal of that, right? That combination. Am I wrong, Ariel? Or is there a certain like, wow, like she cleans up nice, but she can murder you when the lights are on? Is, is there a certain appeal to that? No, yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, she's awesome, and she's a sweetheart, and she'll kill you. Uh, So I think Lauren Murphy is the next competitor up. That isn't bad. I just don't see a lot of hope for Lauren Murphy in this fight, right? It's Valentina Shevchenko is right now in her prime. She's clicking on all cylinders, and she's wrecking the division. So just announced, I think one of the most no-brainer rematches of all time the only surprise I have here that it hasn't happened sooner, Robbie Lawler, Nick Diaz is official. Come on, KOB. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You're with it, bro. Uh, you're with it. I'm with it. So it could be one of those where, now we're going to talk about timing. It's going to be a big theme today. Is timing of this fight, it's one of the questions I'm going to ask you when you call in, it could be a matter of, and I, I read this about Frazier Ali, right? That the Thriller in Manila, part of the reason it was so good is they had both lost enough to be vulnerable to one another. And what I mean by that is, I had a boxing coach tell me one time, who's was, been in the game like 50 years, he goes, a prime Ali dances around Joe Frazier. He's too fast for Joe Frazier, Right? He's too quick. He's too elusive. Joe Frazier never corners him like he did Manila, a, a prime Ali. A prime Joe Frazier, if he hits you with that left hook clean, it's over for you. He had faded enough that he didn't have the power to finish Ali. Ali had faded enough that he didn't have the, the footwork to get away from Frazier. And so they met in the middle of the ring and they killed each other. They absolutely killed one another. And you could argue, when it comes to Ali, that Frazier never faced a prime Ali. He just didn't. Ali came back from, obviously, his suspension, and I could give you a history lesson, but I won't, about that time off, and da 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 He came back, he was much older. Not much older, but three years. It's a long time in, in fight sports. That Frazier and Ali met at the right time. That their first fight, a little bit of edge off Ali, because the time he had made him the kind of guy Frazier could knock down with the left hook. Right? When they met for the third time in Manila, they, they killed each other partly because they didn't have what they had in their prime. Could that be said about this fight? Right? That we saw the first time they fought, I don't think was the prime for either guy. 
Uh, Nick, of course, if you don't know, maybe, you know what? It's so funny. All right, KB, like, let me step back, okay? Because I just had a dork moment. How many fans remember the first one? Is it like people like you and I, that's like, you know, part of the canon. But I mean, a lot of modern fans just might not even remember this one. Modern fans probably have no idea about this one. Yeah. I just kind of went like, yeah, everybody knows. And then I had to stop myself. I was like, maybe not, right? Like, maybe they don't know. Because to me, April 2nd, 2004, in my fanhood, wasn't that long ago. I was firmly entrenched as an MMA fan by 2004. I had been in it five years by that point, six years. A lot of people right now, Ariel, what were you doing in 2004? That's right, crawling around your living room because you're a toddler. Okay, yeah, yeah, four years old. You were sniffing glue, eating crayons, all that stuff, okay? Right, so Ariel, for example, is like, this is ancient history. How old does 2004 sound to you, Ariel? It's, uh, it's too long ago. Ancient. Ancient. Too long. Too long. So that's one of my questions, KOB. You and I as dorks who were around in 2004. I was. I don't, I, were you a fan of 2004? Had you come back at that point? Uh, 2000. That's probably right around where I'd come back. I think I'd started buying DVDs up. That's my senior year of high school, and I think that's about around when I started buying DVDs again. Okay. So how much of a factor do you think the first fight is in this rematch in terms of fan interest and skill set, right? Like how far away are the fans from 2004 and how far away are the fighters from 2004? Let's start with the fans. Cause that's on the subject we're on now. How many will even realize this is a rematch? <sighs> that's difficult. I don't know how many people will realize it's a rematch, but I think a lot will be made of it to, the, to kind of bring them back to where uh, I'm sure it'll be like one of those free fights you get on YouTube before it comes around. Uh, in terms of the fighters, I would say they're both bigger stars now than they were then. I mean, it, it's the Diaz, yeah, Diaz brother folklore is is massive at this point. So, and everyone's kind of been waiting for Nick to come back. And Robbie Lawler, I mean, with the championship title run he was on and the the wars he fought, I think he's a bigger deal now too. So, I, I think I think there will be good fan interest. I don't know how many saw the the, the very first fight. Yeah. That that's. To give you to learn you something, right, you MMA kids who are listening to the sound of my voice. One thing to keep in mind is Robbie Lawler was the one punch knockout machine. He was just brutal at that point. He was not particularly well rounded, a decent wrestler, um, but he was basically a slugger who knocked guys out. Went to war with Aaron Riley in his UFC debut. Then he beat Steve Berger. In the first uh, UFC fight on cable, was him versus Steve Berger on. The best damn sports show period. Remember that one? Remember that, KB? He was on, it was on I the do remember that show, yeah, yeah, it was on the best damn sports show period. And then I knocked out Tiki Gojin, had a step back to 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 Pete Spratt, beat Chris Kyle, and then took on Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz. Nick Diaz at that time in his career was just getting started, right? He had just kind of had his he just had his UFC debut against Jeremy Jackson. So basically com- considered a submission guy. A lot of people thought Robbie Lawler would run right through him with his striking. Nick came out and just taunted the hell out of Robbie Lawler. I think that threw Robbie off. Robbie didn't quite know how to react it, react to it, and then, bam, knocked him out with a jab. Caught him right on the chin, put him face down. That was the end of the fight. So a big step up for Nick Diaz at the time. It was kind of Nick Diaz's coming out party. We were all like, whoa, this guy, you know, just knocked out Robbie Lawler. That was a big deal at the time. A very big deal. And Robbie, when you look at the skill set and how it's changed, Nick fight. The one thing about these two guys is 
they're better than they were then, but a lot older than they were then. And their styles really haven't changed that much, right? They've improved things, um, especially Robbie, you know, got a title late in his career. That's extremely rare. I don't mean late in his life. I mean late in his career. And, but Robbie's still the one-punch knockout guy. He's still the step forward and brawl with either hand guy. Nick is still the hit you with 10,000 punches that don't have a lot of juice on them, but they'll eventually wear you down. Cardio from hell, great guard. He had all those things early. He has all those things now. So, you know, I'll break down, obviously, the nuts and bolts of who wins and stuff, but it's so weird that we get a rematch. And I do believe, and I, I will have to look it up, this is the most time between rematches I've ever seen in MMA. First rematches. Meaning, uh, like, Ken Shamrock, Hoist Gracie, was very, their third fight was obviously extremely late, I called it. Um, and their first one was, what, like, 92, 93? So there were obviously like 20 years in between rematches, but that was their third one. This is the longest I've ever seen between first rematches. Am I out of my mind, KOB, or can you think of any? I can't think of first one rematches. This, this long. Yeah, yeah. Third ones, yeah, for sure. But I can't think of a first rematch that took this long. Maybe uh, I'm trying to think of any, if there's been any of these legends. But if they do the Holyfield Mike Tyson fight, maybe I think we're somewhere. But along that's the same not their point. first rematch. They've already. Oh rematched. yeah, not for yeah. Yeah, you're oh. right. Oh, I was trying to think of rematches in general, but yeah, you're right. If they did Douglas Tyson, sure, but you know, <laughs> that's you know. So this is the longest I've ever seen in between rematches. That's insanity. First rematches. So, but what's so interesting is with all this time, they really haven't changed that much. So it's kind of a throwback. It's very, very interesting. And one thing to keep in mind is Nick is on a three-fight skid. Of course, the last one over, you know, overturned, right? Is, is lost to Anderson Silva. Was on a three-fight skid coming into this fight, right? Lost to Carlos Condit, lost to George St. Pierre, lost to Anderson Silva coming into this and hasn't fought since 2015, right? It's a long time, folks. 2021 right now, six years he's had off. Six effing years. Now, Robbie Lawler has been more active, but has lost his last four, has lost five out of his last six. The one win, of course, to Cowboy Cerrone. What do you want from a fight? You want action. You want it bloody. You want it aggressive. You're going to get all those things. You're going to get all those things from this fight. You won't get two guys in their prime right at their peak, but you're going to get a very, very entertaining fight. And I think that is what fans really want from this fight. The winner's not a contender. We're not talking title shots. We're not talking titles. We're talking entertaining one-off fight. I really believe you get that in this fight. Sirius XM presents an exclusive podcast. Comic-Con begins. Comics, science fiction, monster movies, Star Trek, fantasy, Star Wars. Learn how a group of high school comic book fans children were going to the back of a dirty bookstore started what became the biggest annual pop culture event in the world. Geeks are running Hollywood now. Comic-Con changed my life. Comic-Con begins. A six-part series. All episodes available now on the SXM app. Download today. Free for most subscribers. Sean O'Malley, uh, his fight against Chris Moutinho. There's so many, like, angles to this, right? There's so many ways to look at it. There's so many subplots to this. It's an interesting one. 
before we even get into it at all, before we even before we even like start talking about it, all I want, I want a deep breath. Are you Zen? Are you Zen? KOB. I'm Zen. First reaction when it happened was Why are they stopping it now? That's why it. now, right? That was the first thing I thought. Why now? Not a bad stoppage. Few things I want to get out of the way before we get to the audio and all this stuff we're gonna talk about. Number one is KOB, you're my conscience, right? It's good to have you back because Kelly's a terrible conscience. I've been a terrible person. Uh, I was a terrible person yesterday. So, did the, the all right, so I'm gonna say these things and you tell me if I'm correct or not. The right guy won. Oh, 100 percent, 100 percent. The right guy won. Second thing is the guy had taken at some point in that fight. Fight-ending damage. Is that fair? Definitely fair. Right. So, those two things aside, the right guy won, and at some point, whether it was that point or not, and that's what we're going to kind of debate, he had taken enough damage to stop a fight. I've seen fighters who have taken way less damage than he took stopped, and it was not even a big deal. Okay? So, let's get those things out of the way. This didn't cost somebody a fight. The right guy won. Okay, the academic thing, the discussion that DC and Joe Rogan were having on air of he should have morally been allowed to finish the fight with 10 with 30 seconds. Okay, that's all academic, right? That's all kind of like you've earned the right to finish a fight. Well, you got plastered for three rounds. You got shellacked for three rounds. So the idea of whether or not you get to finish the fight is... You know, it's it's a, a participation trophy. Hey, I finished the fight. You got killed for three rounds. Okay, whether you you finish on your feet or not is academic and only meaningful, I guess, if you're Montino and you want the pride of being able to, to finish the fight. Okay, that means something. It doesn't mean that much. Okay, it doesn't mean a whole lot, in my opinion. Okay, so let's get to some audio. This is Sean O'Malley at the UFC 264 post fight presser about the stoppage so hear what O'Malley had to say I think 30 seconds left I was you know I had I wanted to put his lights out people want to see people just get their head battered in um 30 more seconds I could have landed another 15 20 more headshot just you know built added to the record or, or caught up to whatever record there is he herbs the man he, he did what he needed to do that kid's probably at the hospital right now fucking seeing triple so i think it was probably a good stoppage chris didn't he wasn't happy with the stoppage um but he should be very happy with with you know he, he took this fight on short notice he came in and hurt my hands it was a good fight right sure okay um i was doing a lot of damage i would have done more damage if i had been allowed to do more damage right o'malley was like look i wasn't going to take my foot off the gas with 30 seconds left i was going to finish the guy but we don't know the future we only know the past and the past up to that point was uh, Moutinho looked like a punching bag with legs and green hair. That's what he, he had. No offense, no defense. He could just take a shot. Wonderful. Um, your brain's not meant to do that. So this is what Dana White had to say at the same post-fight presser about the fight and the stoppage. Essentially, let's hear it. Could have been stopped around earlier. I mean, that guy took some serious punishment. We sent him right to the hospital. No. No stopping, no talking, no nothing, right to the hospital. I thought O'Malley, you know, taking on a zombie that wouldn't stop coming forward, Adam, no matter how. We all know O'Malley hits like a truck. That kid has 
has one punch knockout power. And he hit this kid with everything he had, kicks, punches. Yeah, I, I agree. What this boils down to, to me, is the timing itself was super awkward. Super awkward. Because, yes, there were 30 seconds left. And O'Malley said, I would have kept punching, sure. But even you'd been punching his head off for three rounds, okay? He had already taken two and a half rounds, two and whatever, two and two, two rounds, four minutes and 30 seconds worth of damage, right? He had already taken 14 and a half minutes of ass whooping. Was another 30 seconds really going to be the one that put him over the top? Possibly. But it was almost like if you weren't going to stop it a round earlier, why not let him finish the, finish the fight? That's it to me. Is that the timing in which Herb Dean did it? He didn't, you know, he had eaten a good uppercut, but then like the last couple punches missed. It wasn't like he took a three, four punch combination, like, oh my God, he's really getting hurt. He took a bad one, and then O'Malley missed the next couple punches, and then Herb Dean steps in. It looked like one of those things where he had just accumulated so many punches that Herb Dean, this is enough, I don't want to take any more. But that being the case, he should have stopped it in between rounds, you know, at the end of round two. His corner or Herb Dean should have said, hey, this kid's just taking too many. It's time to go. Letting him come out for that third round and then not stopping it any earlier when I thought he had taken worse punches earlier in the round, it was just the timing was incredibly awkward. And I am not recently, I would say in the last couple years, been a big fan of Herb Dean. I think he's made a lot of big mistakes. This is not one of them. I just thought it was awkwardly dealt with, right? KOB, you're my conscience. Is that fair? It was just awkwardly, like, why did you let him come out at all if you're going to let him take a, a, a four-and-a-half-minute ass-whooping and then stop it? It just seemed weird, right? Yeah, and that's why, like I said, my initial reaction was, oh, my God, what is Herb doing? I had the feeling that Herb Dean being involved, this is why it seemed messed up, too. It's just We've talked about it. Herb's been on the side, on the wrong side of some weird ones lately. When I finally stopped and took a breath, it was like, you know what? Probably the right call. We all live in this fight I'm game glad like, it's over, right? Yeah. But, like, why then? That was the it, weird thing. That, that was know? the thing. Uh, that's, that's, what, that's what you get down to. Like, so I, that's why I don't go so far as to say, like, Herb saved Moutinho. Like, right! You didn't quite save him. Like, a you round earlier, right move. you would have saved him, right? And been yeah. like, now it's almost, yeah. Yeah, it was like it was like, once I took a breath, it was like, you know what? The guy's been punched in the face nearly 300 times so far. Perhaps stopping this fight was the correct call, regardless of whether we were 30 seconds out, whatever. I think we want to see that because, oh, he's earned it. But I think what does that mean? I know. When you get punched yeah. 300 times, have you really earned it? Like, right. <laughs> you didn't right. have a you whole just, lot of offense to offer. So. Totally. It's like you just didn't go down. That's nice. Get your ass kicked for like three, for three rounds, right? So yeah. I don't know, man. Is it worth – Here's the difficulty. And KLB, I'm going to put this to you first. Is here's 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 the scale that I want you to visualize. 30 seconds more ass whooping against the honor of finishing a fight, which is bigger. That right? That that's what we're we're comparing, right? Cuz he just would have gotten his ass whooped for another 30 seconds. Is that 30 seconds of ass whooping? Let's say another 15 power punches to the head. Is that worth the dignity of finishing a fight where you got 10-8 every single round? Is it, Kobe? 
It's when you're the fighter, I suppose. But as a fan, uh, I don't necessarily need to see it go that extra 30 seconds. Right, yeah. Like, so, yeah, I got an extra 15 punches in the face. Okay. And fighters are, are, are ridiculously horribly bad at deciding when a fight's over. Do you know Vin- Vinny Pazienza? Vinny Paz? Right? Yeah. Are you? Yeah. Pazmanian you know Devil, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Pazmanian Devil, right? Um, he, he wants, and I'm telling you, if you don't, ha- I'm not joking. I'm laughing a little bit. I'm not joking. If you don't have a strong stomach, don't watch his fight with Roy Jones Jr. Like, don't watch it unless you're like, you have a strong constitution. I'm serious. Have you seen it, Kobe? Him versus Roy Jones Jr.? I probably have, but it's not coming to mind. So I'm going to say no based on that. Like, I, I'm not joking when I can't believe Vinny didn't die. Like, no, really. Like, I can't. Like, I when I, I've watched it a few times, I'm like, oh, my God. Every time I'm like, dude, this dude survived. He got up off the canvas three or four times. He got he couldn't touch. And this is a prime vintage mid-90s Roy Jones Jr. This was the best Roy Jones Jr. versus a Vinny Paz who just wasn't big enough to be in there with Roy Jones Jr. anyway. And then he's facing the fastest boxer of his generation. He got murdered. Murdered. And the last combination is one of those like, oh, my God, he's going to die. Like, we're, we're watching a homicide. I, I'm not joking. If you remember it, I don't know if you do, KOB. He gets bam, 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 drilled to the canvas, and the ref waves it off, and Paz is going, no, I'm okay, I'm all right, everything's okay. And the ref is like, dude, you're done. It's over. Any rational person would know, I'm not joking, please watch it and let me know, another combination, he might have died. It was that bad. He went directly to the hospital, stayed in the hospital for a long time. And Vinny, Vinny Paz was like, yeah, I didn't think anything was wrong until I was in the hospital. I'm like, I can't think straight, right? And Vinny Paz, it was up to him. He would have kept fighting. Don't ever listen to fighters about when a fight should be stopped. They'll always say no. You, I've seen fighters literally in boxing protest a stoppage and then die. I'm okay. And then slump face down and die. Right? It's it's. Awful, but it's true. So yeah, a fighter is always going to say, "Give me fifteen more, I'm fine." I didn't hear no bell, right? You know, but don't listen to them; they're out of their minds. Vinny Paz protested a stoppage that probably saved his life. Probably saved his life. Incident away versus Ego Vovchanchin in MMA. Ego Vovchanchin was like Fedor before Fedor. The guy hit like a freight train and beat the living dog piss out of incident away and they stopped it i think at the end of round two he can't even walk back to his corner he is destroyed referee or corner i think it was a referee i don't remember stopped the fight and incident away if you know him the dude's a maniac and said don't stop and like is complaining once again went to the hospital and was like the doctors were like dude you almost died and he's yelling and screaming he doesn't want the fight over with don't listen to fighters we're insane We're insane. This is Lindsay Rhodes, and I'm so excited for my podcast, The NFL Roadshow, to be joining the SiriusXM sports family. We'll be talking about the most compelling topics and to some of the most interesting people in and around the NFL. Taking a look at things through my somewhat nerdy football lens. I like to push past the low-hanging fruit to get to the real stories that are going to make you feel like a smarter football fan. So please join me every Wednesday for The NFL Roadshow, available on the SXM app and wherever you get your podcasts. We're back with a fighter right now 
on an excellent streak, four wins in a row, one of them over Anthony Showtime Pettis, a big free agent signing for PFL. He's having a great season on PFL. Clay Collard, what's up, my man? Hey, what's going on? Hey, uh, first thing I got to ask you, man, this streak right now you're on, four fights in a row. Um, so it's the end of the regular season in PFL. It seems as though the PFL right now getting a lot of attention, right? It seems like it's a big year for them. Of course, Clarissa Shields got a lot of attention coming in. Some great free, uh, free, uh, free agent signing, signings. You have Kayla Harrison right now killing it. You're doing great. How has this season of PFL felt for you, man? Has it felt like everything's peaking at the same time? Yeah, man, it, it's exciting, you know. Um, um, I think I'm the only undefeated guy in my bracket, 2-0, right now, um, as far as this year's tournament has gone. So that's exciting. Um, I, I'm excited for the lineups. Uh, I think it's going to be a good fight, man. Um, you know, we, we both got the win over Pettis, and I'm excited to fight, you know. How did that feel, that that big win? Because PFL had made a big deal about some free agent signings. You had Anthony Pettis, you had Fabricio Verdum, of course, you had Rory McDonald. You had a lot of free agent signings, but uh, they haven't panned out that well. They came in with a lot of hype, but the flip side is you run into fighters like you that are talented, that are heavy-handed, that are aggressive, but haven't necessarily gotten the shine of these other fighters, and, and they want their piece, right? You want that piece of the limelight. You want that attention. How motivating was it fighting uh, Anthony Pettis when he was a huge free agent signing? Did that motivate you at all? Yeah, I mean, that was the, I mean, at the time, the biggest fight of my career, you know? Um, if I win that fight, then, you know, maybe more eyes start looking at me and what I'm doing especially with the PFL and what they've got going on and with the attention they have. Um, yeah, I'm just excited, you know? So I got two more fights, man. And, and I'll, I'll let you know. <laughs> <laughs> How does that feel, man? The, the whole, the, the season aspect, the playoff aspect, where it all kind of ramps up, right? You kind of you go through the regular season, you accumulate your points. There's a playoff. You need to stay points ahead of everybody else. That whole thing of not having necessarily the ups and downs of the UFC where you win, but you might not get a title shot, you lose, but you, know, you don't know where you end up. It depends on kind of how the promoters see you. Your destiny's in your own hands with the whole PFL season. How does that feel? How is that different, man? Um, man, I love it. Like ha having the fight scheduled, knowing when I'm going to fight and how many times I'm going to fight throughout the year based off the bracket. Like it just makes, it makes you able to plan out the whole year based around that tournament, you know? And, and again, if you win, you get the spot. So if you keep winning, you know, that belt can be yours. You know, you don't have to sit on the sidelines, even though, even though you feel like you may deserve that belt. So um, I'm going to keep winning, you know? <laughs> so tell us about, uh, by the way, speaking to Clay Collard, of course, PFL veteran. He's in the season right now, currently undefeated, 2-0 this year. Uh, you have a boxing career going on at the exact same time. Have you been able to manage those? Uh, of course, Conor McGregor talked about his last uh, fight with, 
Dustin Poirier, he said, well, I was worried about Manny Pacquiao. I was kind of working on my hands more than my MMA game. That really cost me in that fight, blah, 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 blah. What is it like keeping a boxing career going and an MMA career going? Do you have to turn one off and the other one on? How do you manage that? Uh, man, I'm, I believe I'm a martial artist. Um, so I, I, I can do both of the, you know, arts of fighting. Um, I just, we, I, I just keep working on what we're working on. You know, coach, coach has a game plan. We're working on what we're working on, whether it involves kicks or not. Um, yeah, it's just being a a well-rounded martial artist. So, um, yeah, I just, I just keep working. That's how I get my edge. Uh, so when you look at the training wise, Clarissa Shields, who's also in PFL, obviously a world champion boxer, Olympic gold medalist. She said, man, MMA training is so much harder. It's so much more difficult than just boxing. Although boxing training is, is as, as horrific as it is. Uh, she says MMA was much, much more difficult. What are your thoughts on that, man? What do you find more difficult and why? Um, I mean, I think it was difficult for her mainly because of the grappling yeah. and her body wasn't, you know, her body's not used to that. Um, so that, that probably played a big role in why it was harder. Um, I, shin go, shin bones don't feel good getting slammed into your uh, thighs as well, you know? So, um, uh, is it harder for you? Honestly, I, man, I've, I've never known a, the difference. I've been a wrestler. I've been a boxer my whole life, you know? Yeah. So, um, I, it's always hard, <laughs> you know, it's always been hard. One's not harder than the other. They're both hard, you know? Um, put when you put them together, that makes them even harder when you box, when you wrestle, you know, boxing's really tiring in a really different way than wrestling is. Yeah. So you know that that that's why I think she she says it's harder is because of the grappling. You know, when you that's look my at, opinion. When you look at it now, entering into the playoffs, the regular season winding down, what does that transition mean to you? It, does it amp things up and make things a little bit more real? Uh, do you notice fighters like Roy McDonald, of course, uh, lost his last one in the regular season? He has to fight to get in the playoffs. That stress isn't on you as much. We still want to stay points ahead. How does it feel being at the end of the regular season, man? Does it make things a little bit more intense? Um, I, I don't know. There's there's something about having to earn your points that that makes it intense. You know, right. once you once you lock in your spot, it's kind of like you have that little bit of relief. Um, but now if you lose, you're done. You know, yeah. You got you got to you got to win this next fight. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, pressure's on, it's game time, we gotta, you know, it's uh, about 30 days, a little less, actually, um, we're training hard, you know, we're focused, and, and we're looking to win this next fight, because that's what matters right now, um, there is something about earning those points, though, that, that was nerve-wracking, you know, Oh, I didn't knock the guy out. This guy could get a yeah. knockout and take my spot, you know, even though and it's like I'm I have two wins, but Loic gets the spot, number one spot over me because he has the knockout, but he lost. So it's like that 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 part's a little like stressful, you know. 
But we locked in our spots. We're ready to go. Not worried about that. We're worried about beating up the next guy, you know? Appreciate the perspective, my man. Best of luck in your next fight. Clay Collard, thank you so much for joining us, man. Serious XM Podcasts.